This is the Ron Perti Show. Hey everybody, welcome to the program. Um, I, I We're itching closer and closer to that 150th episode on July 2nd. We're going to be doing it live, but we'll get into that more later. Uh, with me to discuss some kind of... Um, uh, I guess it's a rot- it's a pretty rotten topic. I'm not. I, it's not. I'm gonna guess it's kind of a rotten topic. It is a rotten topic. I needed somebody who is up on the news. Uh, someone who uh, would. I don't know. Maybe do his own news show. I guess. So uh, with me uh, this week is uh, the host of the Shaggy Jenkins show, Rob Gordon. No, uh, Shaggy Jenkins. Shaggy, <laughs> thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks. I, I actually like the name Rob Gordon better. Well. <laughs> I, always I have thought to change be, my show after today. I always thought it'd be funny, be like the Ron Perti show, hosted by Joe, you know, or something. It's like when Joan River took over for Carson. Yeah, it's late night with Johnny Carson, and here's Joan Rivers. What the who? Who let the midget on? Well, I, I feel a lot like that with my my new show right now because before that we had had a uh, comedy show where the guy had had kind of left everybody in a lurch and. Um, he was like, "Hey, why don't why don't we get Shaggy to take over my comedy show?" And I I told everybody when this happened that it's like Johnny Carson saying, "Hey, Ted Koppel, you're a funny guy. Why don't you do this show?" Oh wow! Yeah. That's, so you know, uh, I yeah, I tried to bring I tried to bring a serious news approach to a comedy show, and that's why it got canceled. And now I have my own show. Well, there you go. And now, now, just before we get going, where can people listen to the Shaggy Jenkins show? Uh, well, it is online. You can find it at um, kakufm dot org. Uh, that's twelve noon Monday through Friday at Hawaiian Standard Time. And then also, I put it up on my Shaggy Jenkins YouTube account. So if you look for the Shaggy Jenkins show on YouTube, you'll get all my uh, past episodes of ranting and ravings and weirdness and telling you how grandfathers are no good. Oh God! Well, I okay. So I did a show on family, and yes, I did talk about how grandparents are overparenting parents, and parents haven't learned how to be parents to kids that think they understand how to be better parents than all of those people's combined, and it was just a mess. It made sense. Uh, it makes sense, though. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's kind of what my show does. Is I, I, I take every story from the perspective of the question. Why? Why do these things happen? And so today, when we started on our Orlando coverage, I actually had to start the show off responding to emails for people asking me why. And that's that's kind of a rough position to be in as a journalist. I don't care how how strong you think your reserve is, but when people hit you up and they say, but why? And you're going... I was about to ask the same thing. <laughs> it, it makes it hard to, to to be in this job. Well, I remember waking up and hearing it was 20, uh, 20 were dead and 23 were, or no, 43 or something like that were injured. And then yeah. as the morning progressed, it got to 50 dead. Um, and my mother told me, uh, she's like, well, you know, it's only the 50 dead is including the shooter. And I said, so 49 people are dead then. Hmm. So that's supposed to make us feel better. Yeah. But uh, well, now, I'm not going to ask you why, 
Because we have, you know, Donald Trump telling us it's radical uh, is, uh, is, Islam. Uh, yeah. We have people saying, oh, well, he saw gay guys kissing, so he just, you know, God forbid. Uh, I mean, so I'm not going to ask you why, because we're going to get that from the rest of the 24-hour news cycle. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't, I don't want to be contributing to the fervor and the bullshit that is obviously going to be coming out in the next coming weeks. I just want to try and understand how as a country do we move forward from this? Oh God. Well, okay. See, this is the thing that I had to kind of explain to people today because right now in the 24 hour news cycle, we're at the shock Factor And the shock is, is that the event just happened and nobody, and this is the sickening part about politics and media, nobody has figured out how to spin it for ratings and attention enough yet. Okay, so you, you, you've got Trump, who is kind of a master of being an online troll. He knows least common denominator hate the Muslims. So that right now is his marching orders on all of his social media, hate the Muslims, hate the Muslims. Hey, look, I was right, Trump 2016. Uh, Hillary's camp did the, and and I I had this argument online that is still happening now (laughs) through my show and has spilled over into my family of mostly reverends in the Christian faith. Uh, I had this moment where I said, look, we have to remember that there are systems and teachings and institutions in place that actively condition people to hate each other. Now, these reasons are not valid. They, they hold no scientific merit for why one person's life is valued higher than another person's life. But that's, that's where we're at now. The event has happened. We're in the shock, and, and everybody is looking for a motivation. Trump has already figured out that the marching order is hate Muslims. Hillary is still on the thoughts and prayers, the empty platitude stage of things where, oh, I'm thinking about the victims, but that means I don't want to say anything so I don't offend anybody on any side of the issue. Please, God, vote for me, Clinton 2016. She's waiting uh, to hear from the, de- rest of the, the, the Democratic Party what she should be saying. Uh, yeah, yeah, and, and and chances are what they're going to you know tell her is just keep your mouth shut. Um, the 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 thing about this story though that I find like highly highly disturbing. Um, a long time ago, in a land far away, I used to work with Clear Channel, and on a particular date in two thousand and one, um, it was September eleventh, by the way. Gee, thanks, uh, thanks we, a lot, Giuliani. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, God, here we go with blaming people for things that are not responsible for. Uh, (laughs) No, no, because I spend a lot of time on my show telling people, please stop pointing fingers in the wrong direction. Like today, some of the backlashes against the media saying, well, the media, you created this ISIS thing. Media, you created this sensationalization around uh, death and uh, uh, almost a criminal celebrity element by by your your 24-hour news cycle. So media, this this Florida Orlando thing is all your fault. 
and and I have to tell people it's like you're looking in the wrong direction, okay? And if you want to say that this is about one young man and um, his his hatred of seeing two guys kissing, you're still looking in the wrong direction. We have this thing in America where we want to have a clear, definite path of blame. And the media right now is still trying to figure out who we want to blame and how fervently we want to blame them. Like I said, Trump, he went with his, I hate Muslims. Uh, Hillary went with hers, well, we're thinking and praying. So right now, where we are in the game is is kind of a nice, safe place to be. But the days coming after these are just going to get worse and worse and worse as everybody tries to exploit a story like this to further their own agendas. And at the end of the day, when you have a country where – let's just go ahead and, and, and admit not everything is fair for everyone. But in a country that we are supposed to be promised this, this, this great and shiny future for all, this, this, this rolling progress that keeps making us better, faster, and bigger, it's very hard when you – see how the media and politicians are acting about the Orlando story and you're thinking, dear God, there's 50 people dead. Why can't we just shut up a moment and mourn? Yeah. See, I want, I wish we could do that, do that. And I, and I hate to be the guy to break it to everybody, but the American dream is dead. Just, just remember that. Okay. And, and, and when it comes to, when it comes to things like this, I'm, I'm happy that I'm starting to see certain people, like certain gun owners now, who, when it when it was uh, other disasters related to gun violence, they would you know tout the Second Amendment and say, "Don't take my gun. It's not the gun's fault. It's the person." They're finally starting to say, "You know what? Maybe there shouldn't be automatic you know assault rifles available to the public." Well, okay, from. The southern upbringing that I have. Yeah, let's, let's, thing, talk, let's talk North Carolina. Yeah, let's talk guns real quick because this is the thing that really just pisses me off about people and their relationship with guns. When I was growing up and the area that I was being raised in, a gun to us is just the same as a screwdriver, as a wrench, as a hammer. It is a tool that we use for a job, and and as such – a certain amount of respect for that tool was was always ingrained in the household and a certain amount of understanding that it is just a tool and nothing else was also ingrained in us. And now we have this culture, and, and, and it's really sad too, especially because I used to work in hip-hop radio, it's really sad that we have this culture that glorifies guns and the gun as a symbol as some sort of power, as authority of, you're not going to mess with me, I have this gun. And instead of our ideas and our uh, debates pushing the social progress forward or backwards, it comes down to these little moments where somebody with too much access to weapons and too little access to understanding what a weapon actually is that we see these. And I'm not talking just about guns. I'm talking about guys that go to gun shows and buy these huge six-inch long, seven-inch long blades, and the next thing you know, 
hey, oh, Jed's a stabbing victim. Right. We, we, we live in a culture where we sell people things without teaching them the respect and relevance of those things. And if we don't want to do that, if we don't want to take the step and say comprehensively, this is what a gun is, comprehensively, this is why this thing exists. If we can't do that and actually have a ends justify the means type of discussion, then maybe we shouldn't have those things. And that's something that, that really ticks me off when I get into a fight with somebody on the Second Amendment. It's like, look, you got the founding fathers wrote the Second Amendment. Their guns fired one musket per minute. Okay. I mean, well, not only that, but the, the, sec, the, sec, uh, the Second Amendment, okay, I, um, I, somebody wrote something on Facebook that I want to address here real quick. Uh, the Second Amendment is an amendment that is designed to allow us to overthrow our government should it ever ter turn tyrannical. Now, do you really think that your AR-15 or your uh, your 9mm is going to do any good against an Abrams tank? Oh, God. All right, like, seriously. I... Yeah, well, th here's the thing. It's... it's... If you want to look at warfare and how warfare is conducted, a weapon can only be as effective as the hands that you're putting it in. And it doesn't matter if, let's say, the population of the United States, the citizenry, has better weapons than the military. Because at the end of the day, a Marine can do more damage with a knife in his boot than you could with a submachine 50 caliber. It's really true. That's really true. And something else I want to address is the people who will say, well, if people were armed, this wouldn't have happened. You know that those people, um, this is this is something from another, you know, the blog that this person wrote, uh, James Christopher. Uh, he said he was speaking with his father about this whole thing, who's a 30 year police veteran. Uh, he hates the concept of open carry because as officers respond to an active shooter, their job is simple. It's not to help people bleeding on the ground. It's to remove the guy with the gun, eliminate the threat. It's unreasonable to ask them to enter an active shooter situation and then have to make a bunch of split-second decisions in hopes that they are, that they are regular, non-uniform people with a gun just trying to help and not, in fact, the assailant. So that, not, that puts the, the civilian and the officers at risk. Now, yeah. that's a cop and, who's against open carry. Well, see, that's the thing that I tried to explain today on the news, uh, that everybody, and I should say that my show is, it's not really the news, it's kind of my opinions about people that cover the news. And one of the things that we, we, we talked about today, and it, it, it's right along those same lines, of we don't understand security in a comprehensive way as citizens. So when somebody goes into an active shooter type of environment and they have these visions in their head of being the hero, the one, the citizen that stands up and helps them, they don't realize that when an officer pulls his gun, when a police officer pulls his gun and he is in the ready stance and his pistol is ahead of him, the safety comes off, that officer has had months and months and months of training about how to judge where the shot is going, how to judge when it is safe to take a shot so that you don't 
have collateral injuries and also what to do when you're being shot at. And see, that's where the whole scenario of everybody wanting to be the Punisher or whatever, uh, that's where it falls apart. It's one thing to be on the gun sending the bullets downrange. It's an entirely different experience when those bullets are coming downrange to hit you. And we have a scenario, and it's been shown that time and time and time again, when you have guys in a shooting environment un untrained citizens in a shooting environment, you have this scenario that's called spray and pray. Right. And basically for every six shots that pumps out of that gun, only one or maybe two if you're statistically lucky, but mainly one out of every six bullets you send down range is close to where you intend it to go. And that is a scary situation because you got to think – where are the other five bullets? And if there's not a solid surface behind something that you're shooting at, guess what? Those bullets end up in kids. They end up in cars. They end up in houses three blocks down. I mean, there's a, a very famous case of a shootout that happened in Utah. Um, I think this was in the mid-90s. Uh, about 157 shots were were exchanged in this very active uh kind of controversial standoff that the Utah SWAT team had with uh, with a gentleman. Um, what they found is in the days leading after that gunfire exchange, and remember, this was one active shooter versus a SWAT team, and a SWAT team that was trained to keep their shots at a certain angle, at a certain area, not to, you know, go into certain areas because that is an active firing zone at that point. Even they ended up spraying four houses in the surrounding area with as many as 20 bullets. So when you, yeah, so you've got to think that these are guys with training. And that still happened. You think that you're going to go out and Clint Eastwood something as a citizen and you haven't taken one moment to understand the weapon in your hand, the role of it plays in your own security and, and actually how to use it effectively. Oh, and, and don't lose your shit when somebody's shooting at you. It, unless you go through that step, you don't need to own that weapon. Yeah, that's very, uh, I, uh, I'm, while I try and figure out what the hell's going on in my brain, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back with more Shaggy Jenkins. Stay tuned. Hey everybody, this episode of the Ron Perti Show is brought to you by Audible.com. Head over to audibletrial.com forward slash Ron Show for your free audiobook download. The Ron Perti Show's 150th episode will be live at McCullough's Pub, 3700 Meacham Road in Racine, uh, with comedians Nick Davis and John O'Neill, and hosted by, well, me. There's bound to be something cool that happens. $5 at the door, 9 o'clock start time. Be sure if you're in the air to stop out uh, and help celebrate this monumentous occasion. 150 episodes. Ah. Hey, this is Macon Blair, and you are listening to The Ron Perti Show. All right, welcome back. Uh, we're still here with Shaggy Jenkins, uh, host of the Shaggy Jenkins Show. And uh, I just, this is something that I'm going to, I'm going to come around and say this. Uh, we've known each other for a very, very long time, it seems. Oh, 
Yeah, well, it's it's not just that it seems. It's it's in real life. In real life, long time we we have years under our belt. Yes, we do, and uh, that's the only good. Our friendship is the only good thing to come out of Stickam. Anyway, um, <laughs> truthfully, yes, it really is. But the thing I wanted to address here is stereotypes. And oh boy, I I I, I mentioned our friendship and and talk about how great of a guy you are before I mentioned stereotypes because it's well about you. Uh, oh, okay. I uh, knew right away you were from North Carolina because, well, you know, most people from Hawaii don't speak with an accent like that. Uh, no, they, they talk like this, bro. Hey, bro. If you want to know how people from Hawaii really talk, you should watch a, the Dog the Bounty Hunter marathons on A&E. Uh, no, <laughs> no because even... every time I hear him call somebody and say to somebody, well, why don't you come talk to Uncle Dog? You're not my uncle. I, I know, but in Hawaii, Uncle Auntie, very, very respectful, kind stuff. So, you know, when Uncle like talk to you, you you go over and you talk to kind with Uncle. Otherwise, Auntie give lickings. So, you know, hey, Uncle Aunt... is Auntie hot? If she's well, it depends. Because... <laughs> Because let me tell you something, um, being married to one myself, a Hawaiian moms are vicious, and Hawaiian aunties are even worse. So it, it doesn't matter how beautiful they are, they're dangerous creatures if you upset them. Oh, well, good to know. Now, my, my part about the stereotypes, when yeah. uh, you were, I know you're from North Carolina, and uh, your, your father would come into the chat room on your show on Stickam. And uh, I would I automatically thought that you were a God fearing uh, Republican because you were from North Carolina. Mm. And boy, was I wrong. And that just leads me into how <laughs> how stereotypes are bad. Just saying, oh, some stereotypes are good, but 99 percent of the time they're bad. Oh well, yeah, but let's let's talk about how the media is going to use stereotypes because this yes, is going to be exactly uh, this is going to be the most interesting part of the Orlando aftermath, is what I'm calling it now, because we have two worlds that exist. We have the real world where real people lost their life, real people were really injured, and those that walked away, even without a scratch, are traumatized. You know, and, and and I made it a point today that one of my friends who is is really big in the scene down there and, and he writes for a magazine and him and his husband have been everywhere together. I, I, I printed out a list of the names of the victims to put up in my studio today so that as I'm doing my show, I can remember that this is at first a human story. Right. You know, you don't look at these names over and over again and forget that this is a human story. But what we're going to start seeing now is the use of stereotypes in the media. This was an Islamic terrorist. This was an Islamic terrorist. And I hate to say it, but that cliche is getting old. It's, it's time that if we're going to start stereotyping people – in the news and in the way that we talk about them, then we really need to analyze where we are as a country because we're two steps away from acting on those stereotypes. Now, uh, about a week ago, I had the pleasure of doing the show on what we call the One Puka Puka 442. Okay. Uh, one Puka Puka 
four two is the Japanese American officers of World War II from Hawaii. They started off as the 100th, and then they uh, ended up combined with the 442nd. And we're Mr. giving Miyagi every- was in that. I'm watching Karate Kid three before we started recording this. Ah, <laughs> see, see, so you know, you know. Um, but the uh, the the reason that I, I say we have to look carefully where we are as a country now is because of what happened to those men then, and the story of how, as American citizens born and bred. They were subjected to a different life than everybody else. Japanese in the territory of Hawaii were not allowed to own land, were not allowed to have jobs, but they could work under the table as, you know, migrant workers, in which they did in large numbers. So they they were shunned from normal society in Hawaii pre-Pearl Harbor. In the mainland, they were kind of treated like oddities, um, you know, pearls of the East and wisdoms, ancient Japanese secrets and stuff like that. They were they were treated more as a novelty. And then World War II happened, and all of a sudden we started stereotyping all Japanese as being against us. Now, we saw this happen back at the, you know, 9-11 too. Uh, and this is one of the stories I hated reporting. Back when I worked in Charlotte, there was a man from India, a Hindu who was beaten into critical shape while uh, a couple of guys were yelling, you know, you terrorists won't kill us. Once again, he was an Indian who was Hindu. Right, right. Okay. We, we got into this news cycle of covering the stereotype so much that people decided that any time they saw that stereotype, it was okay to assault them. It was okay to hurt them. It was okay to damage them. And when we start seeing the news media, you know, put up a shooter's face and say, well, he was this, he was this, he was this. You have a certain amount of the population that don't hear the entire context of a report. And instead, all they hear is a Muslim did it. Right, right. And that's all they're going to stick with. And because... We don't take time to educate people enough about cultures, about understanding, about how learning the world works. No, we work in a system of regurgitation through school and then some real-life lessons, mainly resulting in six-figure debt immediately after college. That's how we do things in America. And because of that system, we don't have a lot of time to kind of learn things like discretion and things like being able – to distinguish between good and bad people and not good and bad swaths of people, whole populations. America likes simple answers, and what we want right now is we want one group to blame for these 50 deaths, and then we want to go out and blow the shit out of that group and then come home with the flag over our heads saying mission accomplished. That's not what's going to happen anymore. And as a country, yeah, and it's hor- this, this this country's fucked. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna paraphrase for you <laughs> well, what, what you were going to say. Hmm. I don't know if I was gonna say it quite like that. I was gonna say that the golden age in America's civilization is in a decline. Okay, we're we're not the biggest, the baddest, the fastest in the world anymore. That's okay as long as we realize all the things that made us good to begin with. Instead, what we're seeing 
as this culture of, of you know, pro-patriotism, pro-ignorance to accomplish the ends of pro-patriotism, as that stuff happens more and more, um, God, I don't know how to say it. We're going to see the decline of American civilization um, because we're not taking time to look at things objectively, honestly, accurately, and thoroughly. Instead, we want one group, point the guns, fire the guns, call it a day. Hey, the good guys won again. I'm, I'm going to end this conversation with, with one question, and I want this left to the audience to decide. I know that it's it's a it's a, a a myth about Rome burning and Nero playing his fiddle. But for for this this question, I want you to think it's real. When our Rome begins to burn, who's going to be playing their fiddle? That's that's what I want to know. So I, I, I Think about that. Not if this country is going down the tubes. When this country is going to get to the point where it's flushed. And who's going to be there to look at it and revel in it? Who's going to make the almighty buck off this country's demise? I think we all know it begins with a T and ends with a rump. But that's uh, neither here nor there. Uh, Shaggy, where can people find you on social media, bud? Uh, you can follow me online at Shaggy Live. That's for the Twitter. And then, of course, Facebook. It's the same thing. Facebook.com slash Shaggy Live. All one word. There you go. And don't forget to listen to the show uh, from 12 to 4 Hawaiian time. So have fun figuring that out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm not uh, even we're, sure we're... what time it is by you. Uh, let's see. It's about five o'clock in the evening here. We're only five hours apart. Okay. Yeah. That's until daylight savings time. We don't, we don't have that crazy thing here. Well, I appreciate you coming on talking about this, uh, hot button issue. Uh, and, uh, you know, you're always welcome on here, bud. Oh yeah. And then one day soon I'll have to have you Skype into uh, my show and we'll talk about all the fun of midwestern economic practices or we could just talk about how the mst3k reunion oh yeah that might be more interesting (laughs) we'll see you next week people